welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the, the Blue, Blue and, and White, White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Blue and White Brothers. I'm Andy Gathman, and I'm here with my brother, Tom Gathman. And Tom, you're sounding a little hoarse today. You doing okay? You, you, you catch I, the Rona? I did not. Oh, I don't know if I caught the Rona, but I woke up with um, a bit of a uh, scratchy back of my throat. and kind of like been clearing my throat all morning. I just drank a little lemon honey tea. And I'm hoping that does the job here. So uh, I did, however, uh, not even related to this. I, I, I got a Corona test yesterday morning. Um, it actually is my seventh Corona test. And, Seven and, tests. And I'll find out in a couple of days if I got the Rhone. But all my prior, <laughs> all my prior uh, tests have all been negative, not detected, um, because I'm traveling back to. Um, Pennsylvania, you know, I got right. some some parents that are in their later 60s and I you know, I just don't want to, you know, travel without knowing if I am uh, you know, contaminating other people. <laughs> I haven't been tested once actually. You should get tested. You should. Is it fun? Uh, honestly, the ones that I've been doing have I have no problem. You just you actually self-administer, you just drive straight up to a um a testing center, drive through, you just pull a Q-tip out. Uh, that they hand you and you swirl it around in each, each nostril a few times and then you put it in a little tube and they seal it and in three days you get your results uh, via an app um, where they send all the results to. Wow, that's... Yeah, that sounds like so, a great date night possibility. So I, yeah, so I, <laughs> I fly back. Uh, I fly into Baltimore um, on Wednesday morning, and by Wednesday morning, I should have my results. All right. Well, you know, here's <laughs> here's hoping. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, I don't think we could do this without you, man. Like yeah. you're you're the well, star we're doing of the show. It, we're doing it remotely right now, so uh, yeah. you know, I could still. But yeah, do but it, if you got the right? if you got Corona, man, and you get sidelined, I'll do it from my hospital I'll bed. <laughs> You know, I'm I'll counting do, on you, man. I'll do it from the hospital bed. Just like if I were coaching, I would coach from the hospital bed. I imagine, totally. right? Yeah. Who was you it that, that that did that? Was the who was, was that? the Miami guy? Oh, how that? Yeah. How did that? Ha we'll look it up. We'll look I up. Can't who remember? Somebody but did yeah, coach was, a game from the bed. No, it was Florida State. Who? Like Norvell. Oh, this year? I thought it was this like... This year? Yeah, okay. No, this year he had yeah, corona. Yeah, yeah. That's so right. I, I don't think he was... He wasn't in the hospital, but he coached oh. remotely. No, that's... For one of that's, their losses. I'm talking about from the hospital. We got to find if anyone anyone has ever coached from a hospital bed. All right? Dick Paterno? Like, uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he definitely coached from the box towards the, the, the later... Actually, I had a conversation about that recently with somebody in that... Or somewhere like it was like the anniversary of Joe's last game coached on the sidelines, and uh, his last game coached on the sidelines was actually I forget who the opponent was. Show notes and uh, <laughs> I, but he 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 like in the off season he had been recovering from like hip surgery because you know he was getting pretty old and he had like a, 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 a an in game injury the year before that then he had to have surgery in the off season. Um, somebody ran into his leg or something, but so it, it, he did the final half of that last game coaching the sidelines up in the press box. And then from, and then leading into his last game against Illinois, which I, uh, was there, um, the snowy Illinois game in 2012 that hardly anybody was there. And 
And all the students in the south end zone just cut, like they were all, it was all sparse. There was like, there was hardly anyone in the stadium at this point because it was so cold, so blustery, so snowy. And um, all the students that remained, there was a Penn State caught a timeout uh, to like ice the kicker or whatever because it was like the final play of the game. And if they kicked the field goal, they would have won the game. Literally icing the kicker in the yes, weather. Yes. Yes. So all the students just like collapsed in on the area right behind the field goal uh, posts. And, and I'm sitting there next to my buddy, Matt, and we were just like, first of all, we hung in tough. I would never leave a game, okay? Like, I'm there. I pay to be there. I'm going to be there. So the kick hits the uprights after watching this thing happen, and, and the whole place goes crazy, and that was Joe Pa's 409th victory in his last game uh, ever. Wow. Yeah, it was uh, crazy. I didn't, no one knew it was going to be his last game ever because within a week, the everything S broke. hit the F. Wow. <laughs> um, so – Speaking of special teams yeah. and winning or losing Great games. Segue. We did not you. plan this. Not I plan swear, it. you know, my, my brother's a pastor. He can't lie or else he'll be smoked. <laughs> I'm not right? sure that's how it works. But <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, so, so we're going to talk today about the... Th- <laughs> The third phase of uh, the team that we didn't get to in the last episode. We're talking about special teams. Uh, we're also going to shift then uh, to talking about a season overview and what, what we're looking at in terms of the schedule coming up. So let's jump right in to those special teams. And like we did for the other two phases, let's begin with talking about who we lost and uh, who the new faces uh, that we're going to see coming in. So Should we, uh, should we call this uh, the, these segments of people we lost just lost in peace? Right, they're not rest in peace because they're still playing. We just we lost them, but we hope we lost them in peace. <laughs> okay, uh, yes, let's workshop that a little bit more. <laughs> Go on, but All right, yeah. So. so anyway, who, so uh, we lost, you know, a, a huge part of our special teams uh, uh, players in Blake Gillikin. He was a huge weapon for us this past year, and he's gone. And he was a character too. He was just like a like a team leading like character. Like he just you know he always had these crazy, um, you know haircuts, mullets, whatever. And yeah. Would, would like dress strangely in between you know during during game weeks, and we'd always see him on like social media or whatever, just looking looking wonky. But so he was a character, and he he added to the to the team in a lot of different ways. And, and but his punting. Yeah. Was was like he's a he's maybe one of Penn State's greatest punters. I mean, he Jeremy was, he was Jer- reliably uh, someone you could turn to 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 flip the field and bail out the offense uh, for for you know a poor drive and just make sure you didn't get stuck. Your defense didn't get stuck. He did a great job. Yeah. So so he was what he was um, known for. Which you know he was also a great like long distance kicker. He you know he I think he's he's tied for number two on Penn State's career punting average charts with forty three point zero three yards per punt on average. So he and he landed fifty three career punts inside the opponent's ten yard line. That's not not twenty ten fifty three. That's incredible. It is so. You know we we're losing that 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 reliability and that like precision. Yeah. Um, precision. And by the way, just as a little, you know, success with honor, he was Penn State's, I think only his, uh, I think he's like the only the second, I could be wrong on this, but he's one of only a handful, one of only a handful of Penn State players in history that are two-time academic All-Americans. So, I mean, we're losing that too. Success Thank you, Blake, for success a great with honor. career 
at Penn State. We're going to miss you. Uh, but Blake isn't the only oh, one. Oh, oh, I almost forgot. I'm so sorry. To add to, <laughs> we're, we're paying. This is this is lost in peace. Okay. <laughs> All right. So so he is the only player in Penn State program history with seven punts of 65 or more yards. So yeah, we're losing that. But 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 uh, don't jump the gun. You can jump the gun. You go for it. We're gonna see Jordan Stout coming in, and he's talking about somebody with a big leg. So yep. we'll talk about that in a moment. Oh, uh, I thought we were going to get into it. All right. Well, fine, fine. we're also losing uh, one of the more electric returners we've seen at Penn State in a long, long time, KJ Hamler. Not only is he you know, gone from the offense, but he's gone from uh, special teams as a returner. Yeah, I mean KJ's uh, accomplishments are well known. We, he was a he was a Penn State favorite, and like you know, players like him are just put on a pedestal. And we we watched him you know highlight after highlight. We, the reason why single handedly so, turned the App State game for us, right? Cer- certainly wasn't uh, wasn't he supposed to fair catch that or something like that? Like, I think that was, he was given instructions. You know, yeah, and and he's like, no, forget that. You. I'm and he went and, and yeah. I mean that those kinds of plays in those moments are like you're a player. Like you have you have there's a, a vibe and a flow to a game and and an emotion to the game that like sometimes you roll the dice. Sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it does. And and in that moment it worked. And I'm sure that his coach wasn't ticked off at him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I mean how could you be? I don't know. Uh, I'm not I'm certainly not. So we also lost Dan Chesena. Um, who's, you know, a little underrated uh, position in yes. special teams, the gunner position, and yet... Tall, lanky... Uh, he made his mark on that position. I mean, yeah. he, he, fans started looking for his contributions uh, on the gunner position. He reminds- and and he's, he's now made the leap to the NFL and making his mark this season yeah. on the NFL level. He's on he's on the uh, Minnesota Vikings roster. Um, I believe he's... he's uh, you know he's a wide receiver for them, but I don't, I'm not sure how many snaps he takes as a wide receiver. He's certainly like a, a special teamer for them first and foremost. And he made his he made an impact on uh, the Vikings uh, game not last night because we're recording by the way Monday morning, um, but uh, and, and the Vikings played last night totally blundered it against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Um, but so the prior week, Chisena um, recovered a a punt fumble. So already making an impact uh, at the next level, which, by the way, he kind of, if, if Penn State fans remember, it, we you know, Ethan Kilmer was not a big wide receiver for Penn State, but he was a an electric gunner for Penn State and then made it into the NFL as a receiver and special teamer for the Bengals. So, you know, we're kind of like uh, developing a, a bit of a, a trend for Penn State players being great gunners that, you know, are special teamers that can move on to the next level and have an, have a pro career. Um, we also, it, um, you know, have some guys coming in to the special teams unit. Not, not all of these are new to the team, but they're new in terms of how they're going to contribute yeah. to special teams. And um, Jordan Stout, as we've already mentioned, is one of those. He'll be taking over punting. As yep. far as we can tell. Yep. Um, and we'll talk about the punting game a little bit later. We also have uh, some returners, one of those being Journey Brown, right now listed uh, and expected to be, you know, taking over some of the return duties, I think in kickoffs, if that's not mistaken. And um, But one of the incoming freshmen, Keziah Holmes, is also being talked about in the return game. Yeah. I mean, I think once... 
once um, Micah Parsons left, uh, I think, you know, the idea was maybe getting him involved a little bit in the kickoff return game. But once that was completely off the table, you know, and maybe it never even was seriously on the table for, for you know. For all real, we know. Re- yeah, I don't, who knows? Maybe it was just like a, a gag. But uh, once Micah Parsons' name is no longer associated with that depth chart, you really got to start taking a look at who are some playmakers that are electric with the ball in their hands and can can open a game, you know, bl- take the lid off a game. And this Keziah Holmes looks like he might have a shot at doing that. Um, and as a true freshman, you always have that kind of concern and worry. Like, is, right. is he, is, you know, like, is he a great athlete? I think there's no mistake that he is. Can he can he put it on the field in a game, and can he be relied upon to not turn the ball over? Speaking of being relied upon, I think that's one of the things we saw from last season with our special teams unit. If you remember a couple of years ago, we, the special teams was a real liability at Penn State. Yeah, I mean, how many times have we, you and I specifically, complained at yeah. like at length about why the heck don't we have a special teams? specific coach mm-hmm. like we didn't ha- like like some other coach had like double duties and i mean we're in the business of trying to you know penn it's state one of the three main phases <laughs> yeah. of what a dynamic play like that uh, like a kickoff return or a punt return or or coverage whatever like you can flip a game in this single play at, at any at any given time and yeah so it felt like they weren't giving adequate attention to no that um, a couple of years ago, and and you know, it was seemed like particularly 2017, 2018, uh, a bit of a liability. But last year, we hired a new special teams coordinator in Joe Lorig, and yeah. uh, we saw a tremendous improvement last year. I, I felt well, so. It wasn't just Joe Lorig being hired either. There, they also hired. Um, like analysts and like there was like a couple of other positions involved with that hire or and if it was made at the exact same time I'm not clear on that but but you know we there have been investments in like you know understanding these plays from from an analytics standpoint that like even a coordinator can't just do on their own and in because in co- they're coaching the players but you give a couple of a couple of other people at your disposal to get you data uh, uh, that that you know, and I don't know how these anal- analysts like figure out this data and relate it to. They just being... punch it into the computer. And yeah. Help them. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I don't get it because I don't compute like that. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just obviously that like they've recognized that hey, it's three phase football. Yeah, we've got coordinators and analysts for defense and, and and offense, and you know why neglect this other highly critical you know facet of the game. It just makes sense, and I'm happy they did it. I'm happy they're doing the, it, and it's the, shown that it yeah. is, is working. Yes, absolutely. Whatever they did last year, uh, big big improvements. Um, I didn't feel that. I, I felt a sense of excitement and anticipation, as opposed to a sense of dread. With a oh my gosh, are we going to give up? <laughs> right. you know, kick returns. Are exactly. We gonna... So, um, but so I think yeah, the analytics piece. That sounds like it's a it's a big part of it. And I, the other thing I think is just Joe Lorig's uh, approach to special teams and the culture he's created. I heard him on uh, the Coach's Day talk about that he wants to create a culture where guys want to be on the special teams. Mm, it should be a yeah. badge of honor. Yeah. And so I don't know what the culture was a couple of years ago, but like what he said is he wants special team guys yeah. to be on, I mean, excuse me, uh, first team, first team guys, offense right. and defense guys to be on the first team 
special teams. Like your most reliable your most reliable players and leaders yeah, your across best tacklers, the, your fastest yeah. runners, your yeah. you know your your best leaders and put, and, I, and put yeah, put your special teams like hat on for these for these position, you know, these these plays and like just light people up or like, you know, play all out, like block yeah. block down to the very last second, you know? So I guess what they what the rule is is that um any of the first teamers, apart from the quarterbacks and the O line, are asked, uh, are allowed, I should say, to to ser- to be on one other team. You know, so like the kick coverage team or the uh, kickoff team or whatever. And apparently, this season they've got guys like um, Lamont Wade, for example, coming up and begging to be on more than That's just awesome. one team. They want to be on I more teams. I hadn't heard that yet. That's awesome. So you know. I, again, that, that culture shift of like wanting to be on that team and wanting to make the hit, wanting to serve in the role that's going to help your team win the game or protect that lead or or, or go and, and make that game-changing play. I, to me, that's really exciting, and, and I think it shows, as well, well so, yeah. as the attention to detail, right? So, yeah, and I think that makes uh, even more sense when you look across the landscape of college football so far this year. You know, you have you have special teams. Special teams are are like uh, affecting some of these um, other you know big name programs who yep. had had title aspirations, you know, conference championship aspirations, and and they're being affected by the maybe the fact that they don't have like their first team is out there, or they didn't uh, they, or they didn't account for what not tackling for them for all year has, has done, you know, in terms of like being in the right position and actually form tackling. So, so having a first teamers on special teams makes a ton of sense. And I think uh, what I read was Joe Lorig is actually, you know, putting together video clips to show his special teamers from games that have just happened, you know, like every weekend, you know, I think he I meant he mentioned Texas. He has, has had some blunders. Um, and here's he's what sho- not to do. Yeah, on exactly. <laughs> so he's showing them that hey, like yeah. if you if you're you're wanting to do this and be on these teams, like you can't do this. You cannot like do. And then he shows whatever clips. It's like in the, the, the movie The Sandlot, where the guy gets up to bat for the first time or whatever, and he's like, "Don't be a goofus. Don't be a goofus." Yeah. Like that's what Joe Lorig's like saying, "Hey guys, don't be a goofus." Don't, like, don't do don't it. Don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> and also, just yeah, please for the, for the sake of the fans, please don't do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, well, let's talk about uh, what we can look forward to for special teams, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we wanted to start with the kickers um, and the kick coverage teams, uh, in part because we know a lot ab- about what we're going to get coming back, and it starts with Jordan Stout on kickoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Jordan Stout. Um, he he bo- he boots it. That's what he does. He boots it into the end zone. He's like, I think he puts the ball in the end zone more than anyone in the country. Now, I I just am saying that. I haven't looked at that statistic at all, but <laughs> it certainly seems that way. You well, know? talk about a way to neutralize the other team's possibility of, uh, you know, making a big play on a on a kickoff, right? I mean, right. just don't even give them the opportunity. And I I feel like it wasn't until midway through the season that the other team, uh, the opposite team had a, had an actual kick return against right. us. And well, I remember yeah. one of the, one of the like comments on it was like, Oh no, what if, what if we, we can't defend a kickoff because we haven't actually, <laughs> we, <don't> have, <laughs> we have never done it. <laughs> well, I, I, I pulled up the stat here. He had a 
fourth uh, uh, fourth ranked in football, college football, fo- football bowl subdivision, fourth ranked, 66 touchbacks and 83 kickoffs. Wow. Yeah. I, so. I, I, honestly, I would have thought it was a little higher than that, but that's still an incredible percentage. Uh, I mean, what do you want? <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, what it's, more do you want? It's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, pretty good. so that's 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 um, you know. maybe I'll cross reference that in the show notes with what before we had Jordan Stout. How, mm-hmm. how many? Yeah, you know, that, that'd be good to know. <laughs> like, what's the what's the improvement? But anyway, I mean, that's you know a, a very minimal percentage of those kicks you're actually having to actively defend, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's pretty pretty awesome. Um, and I know so, that. Jordan Stout like has some NFL aspirations, so he really he's taking this seriously. He sees it as a, a ticket to the next level, right? Yeah. So so apparently, <laughs> uh, he in the Idaho game last year, he crushed twelve touchbacks on kickoffs against Idaho, and it was the most by a Nittany Lions since the kickoff spot was moved to the thirty-five yard line in two, uh, back in two thousand eleven. So you know he's when doing you... it. He's doing it. When you said that, I'm like, Idaho? Yeah, right. We played Idaho? <laughs> the Vandals, yeah. Uh, so long ago. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but, you know, speaking of next-level aspirations, he's trying to add a whole new um, yes. skill set uh, yeah. to his game tape, which is punting. Yeah, and his his personal um, goals and aspirations for his, not just his college career, but his professional career are kind of playing a, a role in that and that he wants to take on this extra duty. And for, uh, in, in years past, I know for a fact, Franklin has been very hesitant to give, um, different kick, kicking duties, uh, to over, over tax his kickers. Um, but I think how Franklin uh, is able to, um, you know, rationalize allowing him to do that is a he does have a strong leg, and I think that they have been working in the offseason to make sure that his leg is strong and it has has like stamina and endurance with various um, different uh, drills, and uh, which I I don't know what those drills are because I'm not a kicker, <laughs> but um, you know I was kicking the soccer ball with my son Juan the other day. Just yep. it was it was before. Uh, a, a scout meeting and and we had gotten to the field early and so we were kicking and like I don't know I must have kicked the ball like 10 12 times and I, I was a soccer player in high school growing up so you know my leg got tired after like 12 kicks and like well, you're you're kicking, 43 I, well <laughs> now everyone knows <laughs> but I'm just so, saying I, what yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah. is yeah. like like yeah. when you're when you're kicking the ball hard a lot. I mean, yeah, you do get tired. So I I can appreciate that that's a concern that like over the course of a game, you know, does fatigue set in and your yeah. effectiveness diminish? Um, well, but I think of course, Franklin, I think Franklin recognizes that he's got a player that is capable of, of doing that. And, and I think it's, it's easy for him to rationalize that even further because Jake Pinnegar takes care of all the field goal and extra point duties inside of 40, 49 yards and inside of 49 yards. Yeah, so, so, so Jordan so Stout's Stout, not a place kicker. He, yeah, he's a kickoff guy, and now he's taking on punting, and he only he, – I think uh, he only – like he only kicks a couple of field goals a year, so you don't you're not really adding too much stress uh, from a field goal standpoint because you have Jake Pinnegar who does the duties. Um, and I don't I don't I wasn't really necessarily trying to get into Jake Pinnegar yet if we weren't done talking about Stout, but because we want to discuss maybe his punting abilities related to the outgoing Blake Gillikin. Yeah, well, 
so, you know, yes, we know we're getting a, a, a big leg in Jordan Stout. And will that translate to punts? Hopefully it will. You, you It'll know, translate but, to punts. <laughs> but, but will I it think translate that, to Blake Gillikin level precision and accuracy and consistency? Yeah, I think that's the, the accuracy. The fact that, that, you know, it's not just about kicking it as far as you can. A lot of times that actually is unhelpful, right? right? If you're kicking the ball punting the ball from the 50-yard line and you put it through the end zone, that you're, that's only a 30-yard net, and that's really not helpful. Now, you know, I, I did, so I can did see, Jordan sorry. Stout put the ball inside the 20, inside the 10, wherever he is on the field? Right. I think that's going to determine whether or not he's actually a good and replacement. And can he get air under it to give his coverage team the, the chance to get downfield to, to cover the ball well? Yeah, I mean, if you can give the ball like a seven-second hang time, like yeah. that's amazing, and it still can travels we get seven, forty can yards. We get in seven the air. seconds of airtime? Does anyone do that? I don't. I think that's probably physically impossible, <laughs> right? You know? Like a, it, coming back down from the stratosphere, it's like <laughs> got like heat ash up. on it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're gonna need yeah, a new ball we'll after a that. Small point. crater. Yeah, they have special balls that that uh, that only uh, work for the heat his shield. punts. <laughs> yeah, heat shield. All right, so um, but yeah, so. So, I mean, the, the, you know, can he place the ball properly? You know, um, can he put the right kind of spin on the ball so that when it hits the ground, it's not, you know, bounding another 20 yards uh, into the end yeah, zone? Yeah. You know, it's a, I think it's that's a skill. It's a skill. Right. Punting is a skill, no doubt. And and is he capable of like handling the snap? You know, like, is he is he good with like taking that snap and if it's a bad snap and if it's a bad situation that he's got to recover it and still try and kick it or, you know, cause Blake Gillikin had to do that as a freshman against Ohio state. Yeah. The, in the game that we, we beat them. I mean, that the, decision really in a lot of ways helped to w secure the game by he, not giving he up he a had touchdown to intentionally there. take a safety on a bad snap when we were down to Ohio state. And if we had taken a touchdown there, if we had, if Ohio State had gotten a touchdown there, not a safety, it would have changed the game. It would have, we probably would have lost. I think. Um, Very likely. Yeah. I mean, who knows how the how the game what, played what out? What did we win there, by? Right? One or three? It, three. It, it was it was a pretty slim margin. I mean, I think it was like th three or four points that we that we uh, won by. We'll have to put it in the show notes, but yeah. it was definitely a one. Listen, I can't game. be overwhelmed by, with all these show notes. Okay, just we can't say show notes every five minutes. All right. <laughs> I have been working on show notes the last night and today. Working so. to the bone. Yeah. Your fingers are yeah. raw typing the uh, show notes. Um, so anyways. Well, you know, I think before we leave the, the kicking game um, in terms of we're, punting we're not and kickoffs, the kicking game. in terms of punts and kickoffs, I, yeah. we, okay. we probably also want to just want to talk about the kick coverage uh, on punts and kickoffs. Well, we talked a little bit on kickoffs because we don't have to do that very much, but I think last year, again, it was very improved on punt coverage. I don't think we gave up a whole lot of yards on the punts. And some of that had to do with the fact that Blake Gillikin placed it in a good spot and gave our coverage team a time time to get or there. Or he kicked it out of bounds inside the 10-yard. Or, he, yeah, or he, <laughs> you know, coffin cornered it and, like, just, you know, uh, kicked it out. So, again, I think I'll be interested to see um, – you know, with our first teamers being on these coverage teams, can we get a similar kind of performance as last year so that, you know, we're not giving up a lot of yards and we're not giving up a lot of big plays on, you know, when we're kicking the ball to the other team? Correct. <laughs> I'll be interested as well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so no comments on that. All no, right. I, I think we should move on to, to Jake yeah, Kindergar. So, well, 
Can I yeah. say it like that? Pinagar. Can you be like like Jake Jake the like Jake the Snake Pinagar? And he's like a pirate or something. <laughs> like I don't uh, know. I'm gonna go with it. Uh, again, Pinagar. Let's, <laughs> let's workshop it. <laughs> no, this is my workshop. <laughs> um, well, we also wanted to talk about the return game. So, do you want to talk about returning now, or do you want to talk about place kicking now? Uh, let's uh, your your choice. Flip a coin. Yeah, let's well let's talk about the return game since we we're just talking about the kicking. Pinagar will have to wait. <laughs> yes, just get, get, hold on there, pal. <laughs> so I think we, um, you know, as we said, we got uh, some new re- new returners. Um, I, I think Journey Brown, Kazai Holmes. We're talking about kick returners for those guys, and that yeah, sort of follows in the um, tradition of having uh, Saquon Barkley uh, fielding kickoffs, and you know we saw having. Having your your top running back in that role has a real potential to to break a game open. Saquon had some really great turns. Yeah, and what do, you th- Brown what do you expect? Is a track star. He's yeah. a Penn, Pennsylvania State uh, like one hundred meter champion. Yeah, he one hundred. I don't I don't know if it was hundred. Looking or it what. up. But um, tell me more about him. I look him up. <laughs> well, I you know speaking of the phrase "off to the races," which is what you hear when someone you know breaks free. I mean that Journey Brown, he understands what it's like to to be off to the races. That that's that's what he did. He's got he's got game breaking speed. He's also shifty in a way. I remember you know seeing him in the Cotton Bowl and um, you know breaking through the hole and and just sort of taking off. He 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 really knows how to shift going north and south and doesn't do a lot of lateral yeah. movement. So I think that has a lot of potential to really translate well to the kickoff game. Yeah, well let's put it this way. He ran the 100 meters uh, but this is back I think in 2017 uh, from Meadville High School which is up near Erie. So he by the way Erie like isn't like big time football up there. But I mean, he ran big time speed there, and he—that's why he was recruited uh, to Penn State, and was, by the way, a, um, an under-celebrated three-star recruit because of the the competition level that he was playing at in high school. But in 2017, uh, PIAA class, a uh, triple triple A state championships, 10.43 seconds uh, was his personal record, and a an overall Penn State or Pennsylvania State all-time record that sounds like, pretty and it fast. still stands right now you know that's in, that's impressive so yeah so once he gets going and breaks into the open uh I, that's gonna be fun I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do and in, he was also a, he was also a part game. yeah he was also a part of the four by four by 100 relay and they won a state title uh as well so now, and in terms of punt returns, I, I think there's a little bit more uncertainty about who's gonna. Yeah, that's not a Journey Brownism there. No, I think I think we're 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 like understanding the depth, the projected depth chart for those types of things. Um, they're they're looking at Jahan Dotson and Marquise Wilson. Yeah, and um, I heard Lamont Wade was was angling to to also be a returner. I don't know if that's yeah, gonna happen. Yeah, yeah but it sounds I, like I would still... I would doubt it. He's 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 gonna be relied upon heavily. Uh, in the defense to be out there, like I would say, uh, most of the plays on defense. So it sounded like senior. <laughs> sounded like we're maybe starting Jahan Dotson, and yeah. who knows who the who the number two or three. I'm will sure. Be. Jahan, I'm sure there will be opt uh, other things. Yeah, being given a, a shot, especially if Jahan Dotson doesn't exactly um, provide Light that spark. Yeah. yeah, but but Jahan's no slouch. I I, I think. No, I, he, I think he has a good shot to be a, yeah. to be an excellent returner there. So hopefully. Hopefully he does that. Um, I guess there's just a little bit of uncertainty about what we'll see. Big, you know, biggest thing first is can you 
field to catch cleanly, you know, and and make a good decision about whether you're going to make a fair catch or whatever and, and protect the football. I think that's the number one. And I think a lot of times uh, some electric returners uh, end up losing the job because they can't reliably catch the ball. They put the ball on the ground too much. So I think if Jahan Dotson can can do that and, and then he can make some good decisions about whether to start running or not um, and where to start running, I, th- I think he's got the skills to be, you know, as that slot receiver, he's sure. got the skills to be, you know, able to make some good uh, gains in, you know, in a crowded uh, field with defenders coming at him, that, which is sort of what you do when you're catching the ball in the slot. Right. I think there's also something to, like, a smaller type of b- body for punt returning mm-hmm. because you can, like, slip through easy, more easily and, like, you just – you're harder to, like, grab when you're, when you know, in tighter spaces. You know, they can just slip through the coverages. You yeah. Know? So and that was a, a good thing that KJ was, you know, KJ was, he was great at that. At that. Right. <laughs> you know? So, so, you know, and, and I think, um, Jahan has a, has a similar body type and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, again, we don't have a lot of, uh, of tape to look at in terms of, uh, what that's going to be. It's going to be a new role for him. So, uh, yeah, yeah. we'll wait and see. Um, we'll wait and see. And hopefully we'll be returning a lot of punts because, uh, you know, hopefully our defense is going to be uh, yeah. get, getting a lot of stops deep in, um, you know, deep in enemy territory. But in any case, um, yeah, now now I think we can talk about the place kicking. Vinegar! <laughs> wow, really? You're yeah. really going to do that? <laughs> I love it. It's going to happen again. Okay. Anytime he, anytime he makes a kick, I'm going to say it. Okay. Awesome. It, it just just in life, I, like if I'm watching the game, I'm gonna say that. Even off of the podcast. Not even remotely close to being on the podcast. It's just that's his name now to me. So, but I'll I'll say it on the podcast too. Of cars. <laughs> wow. Wow. So uh, I that's that's a, you know I guess you know when we're when you're giving fan feedback, everyone you can tell us you can tell us whether you hey, like that. Again, or not. this is a fan podcast from a fan perspective. All yeah. right. <laughs> so so Jake Pinninger is going to be coming back. And um, he had a good year last year. Yeah. Place kicking. Okay. And especially when maybe, maybe the year before, we weren't quite so sold on Pinnacle. Part of I that. Think, I, I think a lot of people forgot Pin, about Pinnagar being a little shaky because you know what he, so in 2018, he was, he kicked 66.7% field goal percentage. Like he, he took 24 kicks, field goals. He attempted 24 field goals and only made 16. And it just wasn't like, you know, cause they were like, they were trying to get him to use his leg on these 40 yard field goal attempts that just, he doesn't have the, the accuracy or the, or the, um, strength once you start getting a little further out, but inside of, I mean, inside of like 40 yards, the dude's almost, was almost perfect, um, in, in 2018, but, but that 40 yard range, um, he was only five for 11 in 2018, but last yeah, year, last year, that's not going to cut it, but he, improved. no. And that's why I think we weren't quite sure about him as, as a, as a specialist for us, but what ended up happening was we got that transfer in Jordan Stout. And Franklin and, and the coaching staff realized that, for, that Jordan Stout can take that 50-plus yard kick. And then what Jake Pinnegar did in the offseason between 18 and 19 was he worked on his strength and he worked on his accuracy. And he was 11 for 12 last year inside of 49 yards. And he was – so that's a 91.7% field goal percentage. Like, 
That is that is reliable. From sixty six point seven to ninety one point seven. That's the definition of being a reliable kicker if you're yeah. up in the the nineties. In so terms once of they once they realized what what his bread and butter was, and they also made him work on his range a little bit. You know, he only he only attempted three kicks um, between forty and forty nine yards, but he was perfect on those three kicks. Right, that, like <laughs> you know, like way to that's way to go across the board. So. Way to go. Yeah, and I, and I know Franklin talks about that. You just take the next step. You're like you just you just improve by that. Like what one yeah. percent better, right? And right. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's it. You know, congratulations to Jake Pinnegar for having a great season last year. Hopefully, we see that uh, continue. I mean, it's hard to improve uh, on ninety two percent accuracy, but um, if he does, great. But but even just staying there, I think will be really. I mean, that's a weapon when you can reliably kick a field goal in the you know. 40 yard range or less and certainly in the in the 50 yard range or less and then of course we're adding to that in those rare situations where you're relying on a 50 plus yard field goal and I say rare because you know a lot of times you're either protecting a lead and so you're just going to punt or you you know you can't give up the field position so you're going to punt or you're going to go for it on fourth down but there are those situations where it's 50 plus yards you need the three points or it's at the end of the half and you may as well go for it and guess what we have a guy that can kick the ball 60 plus yards i just thought of something i just thought of something like now that jordan stout is going to be the punter and the 50 plus yard uh field goal kicker like can we pin a team back un- unknowingly by having having a them snap it dir- goal. a fake field goal like po- like turns into the punt. punt yeah like yeah, is that are you allowed to do that can you I don't do see that? why not I, I mean right? it just so the, it just could just go to, to the snapper I mean it right. shouldn't you go to, to, snap the, to the holder snap it directly to the kicker yeah right but that's I like it I, I don't know why I think so the, I, I'm assuming that they've already thought of this idea but if they haven't what makes uh, you assume here's that? a freebie uh coach Franklin and coach Lorig right right yeah well so we'll see yeah well uh you can hire uh the brothers analysts uh <laughs> um you know of course we'll, there's we'll take a side job there's one more part of that um place kicking unit yep. that we haven't talked about and that's the long snapper yeah on the the, the forgotten position the forgotten yeah man. yeah the three years in a row walk on chris stole yep walk on way no, to go man no scholarship for three years and over the weekend the uh James Franklin and the the staff, uh, and and in fact Dan Chisena was even a part of the the surprise. Here you go, Chris. You got a scholarship. I mean, it's one of those heartwarming moments where you always you always love seeing it, and it's like what's what's right about the sport. Like it, it, guys that work hard, that have walked on, that have sacrificed so much, that are unheralded, and and then they they're rewarded with a with a scholarship and we uh, we congratulate you and we're we're happy for you and and we'll we'll add the uh, video that Penn State posted um with Dan Chisena um show and, notes yeah show <laughs> notes so, uh, yeah that, congratulations to to Chris Stoll and and hope uh hope you have a good season uh, for your own sake but also yeah. for our sake and we you know. can't wait to see you snap the ball to, to Jordan Stout on, on a, a fake, fake field punt. goal punt. <laughs> fake field goal punt. <laughs> so start working on that. Start working on it. You don't want to see him pull your scholarship because you screwed up the, <laughs> the greatest play in the future of 
Penn State history. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Anyway, so well that that um, covers our special teams. Uh, yeah, we, we went over. We we've been talking about it for yeah. We're, There's a lot to talk about, and yeah, and, there um, is. you know, we're but, happy to to run our mouths about it. Yeah, because I mean, you can turn us off anytime you want. Yeah, but you we hope you don't. Because now leave. we're going to get into the season preview. It's yeah. getting close. I mean, we're talking about within uh, the two weeks margin, and um, so excitement is building. I think it's a little unusual that although we have dates, we don't have kickoff times. As of this morning, when I just looked at it, we we don't have any kickoff times or or even uh, network coverage. So, you know, keep your Saturdays wide open, everyone, because, um, you know, we don't know when it's going to be. There's been some talk that, it, you know, we're going to be using some Fridays. I know James Franklin doesn't like that, but we do know uh, who we're going to be playing and which weekends we're going to be playing them. And we before we, we get don't know in, times yet, no, we don't know times. That's what I was just saying. Um, but we have, you know, we have a chance to talk through each of the the teams uh, very briefly. But before then, we just let's get that big picture as you think about like it's an eight game schedule with a ninth bonus game for the Champions Week is what they're calling it. Uh, a very different approach That's to cool. the season. That's really cool. I do like that idea. I think that's great. That's but the it's, neatest idea that has ever come out of the Big Ten. <laughs> yes, true. I think you're right. You know, outside um, of canceling the season, another really neat idea. But I, I like from, this one too. I don't know. I'd second right up there with the legends and the leaders as the two oh. conference names. <laughs> oh. Oh, well, was... can we also put it up there with, um, say, maybe, oh, I don't know, the, the Land Grant Trophy? <gasps> Which comes back this year, <laughs> yes! makes it return to our yes! schedule. So, uh, well, I, at least in terms, of the, in terms of being the last game of the season. I am excited about that. Yes. I am excited because we have been finishing the seasons the uh, last few years with so, Rutgers and Maryland. Yeah. I mean, I'm if Maryland sorry. were a were a decent team, and I, it could be a rivalry. Be that would be fine. Yeah. But like, you know, sorry, Maryland. Uh, I, even then, like, I'm sorry, like Maryland doesn't have the prestige to, yeah. to me. Like, if they had been a powerhouse for decades, and then it would be like, yeah, okay, cross border rivalry with Maryland, who's you know sometimes they they make a, a run, but they, they're not a they don't. I'm sorry, no, no, thank you. Yeah, and, you and by you, the way, you're recording from Maryland, and and there's no. You don't. You don't care. You don't have like friends that are tight Maryland terrapins and. I, the, yeah, I've got people who are who are um, Maryland alums, and but you know it's it's similar to like uh, up until the last few seasons, similar to Penn State when it comes to basketball. Right. Like you know, Good it's just point. like there's just not a lot to pathetic. get excited. <laughs> it's not a lot to get <laughs> excited about. Yeah. You know, and and certainly we hope that the basketball team improves yeah, and continues to get. That. It's like and and. If they do, it'll be really exciting, but it's it's just not worth getting your your hopes up. Yeah. You know, because, you know, that's how Maryland has been in football for the most part, I would say, since Ralph Friesian left. Right. Um, Wait, so, which so was I when got... Franklin was last. Oh, that's Mar actually a good point. Mm -hmm. there, there's a, he was the coach in waiting mm -hmm. behind sure Friesian. Was. And then they decided. And Billy O'Brien was on that team at one point with him. That's they were weird. the co coaches together. Well, anyway, so so back to the back to the season overview. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that stands Wait, out. Wait, did you? I'm sorry. Did you? Did you? We, we, I got a sidetracked after we were talking about the Champions Week. Did you? Did we ever outline what the Champions Week is? Well, let's get to that later. Fine. Thank you. So, but <laughs> for me, that like the big picture, you know, is is a very different schedule than any other year. We've talked about it in some of the previous episode. None of the um, out of conference uh, lower tier teams. 
we're going straight into the Big Ten schedule. And we've seen some of other teams nationally do this. And, and you know, there have been some hiccups of, of major national powers struggling against in-conference opponents. You know, LSU, for example. Uh-huh. Oklahoma, for example. LSU lost to Missouri. Yeah. They're, they're After struggles. losing to Mississippi State like a couple weeks ago. Their struggles have continued. It's so, amazing. So and it makes know, me happy. <laughs> no, it's, it's exciting to watch these other teams oh, fall yeah. in that manner. Oh, but, fun. but when the shoe is on the other foot, for example, when Penn State goes out, you know, against Indiana week one yeah. and then Ohio State in week two. I mean, that's a that's a they've given us games. Indiana gives us games and their defense is much improved over the last four years or so. So basically what I'm saying is that, you know, we've got to start fast and start crisp or, you know, all of this excitement around, you know, getting back on the field and starting football again could turn into misery pretty quickly. So starting fast and starting quick, I think, um, you know, we mentioned in the special team section segment, uh, you know, just a few minutes ago that um, having our first teamers on special teams can uh, can help ignite some of those starts or or at least mitigate having big plays against us so that we don't stop so that we don't lose momentum and then the other team starts fast and then we before you know it are just like what's happening yeah and in particular with special teams miscues i think that that's helpful i think on the defense first first team players out there not making mistakes you know being being you know yeah having the experience and having the you know the team leadership there I, i think on defense this year we've got a lot of experience coming back with the same coaching crew save uh, our offensive line coach excuse me our defensive line coach you know so I, I'm not as worried about the defense hitting the ground running but the offense is it'll be interesting because although we do have a lot of solid returners on the O-line and in our quarterback we've got three new coaches uh, yeah. and including the coordinator and so the, I think the question is with you, you know with the strange offseason no spring practice um, you know different kinds of uh, criteria around what you can do together on the field. Are we going to be able to hit the ground running and, uh, you know, start fast, start crisp and, and do it from one week to the next right away? Because it's not until we hit um, our third game, Maryland at home, that we have a little bit of a of, of a lull. So, that you know, that's one of my, my, my big questions. I think the other big question, again, looking around the rest of the, the country who, who've been playing already is, what kind of margin for error do we actually have? Like are, most years you say, look, if you lose a game, you're out. But like people are falling left and right. And do we have... Yeah, I mean, Texas and Oklahoma both have two both losses. Have a, LSU has two losses. You know, Alabama almost lost to Ole Miss. You're, you're seeing these teams get plucked. Florida you know? just lost. Yeah, oh, right. Florida just lost to um, Texas A&M, who, by the way, looked like a dumpster fire a week ago. Yeah, so, you know, so. So, it, so you know, and then in the ACC, other than Clemson, who do you really have? Notre Dame's like they're they're sort of like a, a borrowed team this year, and they're Yeah, undefeated, that's weird. But, I don't like that. Yeah, what like that. you know, it is what it is. No, but, I, I got a big problem with it. Okay, I'll let you have a problem. But, but <laughs> what I'm saying is it's – other than Clemson and maybe Notre Dame, but oh, well, I, you're neglecting a couple of teams. Uh, I'm just saying, it, who knows what kind of season we're going to have? It's been a, it's been a huge question mark. And I, what I'm not sure of is, do we have less margin for error than normal, or do just, we have more? 
I just want to say real quick that North Carolina is 3-0 and ranked ahead of Penn State somehow. And Cincinnati's ranked ahead of Penn State somehow. And by the way, they wore navy blue this weekend with Carolina blue numbers, and it was awful. See, I actually have a different take on that. I personally think that it looked awesome. Did not like it whatsoever. I there are worse jerseys out there. there well, are that's true. If we we uniforms. could have a segment called worst jerseys. <laughs> oh, um, let's do it. Oh yeah, who was it? TCU had the ugliest uniforms, like so so bad. It was bad. It was like, and they were like all hyping hyping them up, and everyone's like, these are the hottest, coolest jerseys of all time, and it was, they were like atrociously awful. And nine uh, times Lord, out of ten, Florida's ha- sorry, nine times out of ten. The dark gray jersey is a terrible idea. No, Don't do it. I, I disagree. Ugh. Ten times, ten no. times out of ten. <laughs> okay. Ten, ten times out of ten. Yeah. The dark gray. What why? is that even a color? Why? Like what are you, like? Uh, what, yeah. What battleship? Like what? What? Are, what? <laughs> they're, they're trying to camouflage themselves on the open sea. Yeah. Sorry, my mic got a little a little hot there. I yeah. Get, I get a little yeah, heated, worked okay? up. I get worked up. All right. We're uh, off no, track. Well, so we're one off last, track. One, I don't care. One last. <laughs> When when Florida does the gator skin like like brownish green color, oh man, is that bad? That is that could be the worst out there for sure. Have they done that? I haven't seen that. Oh, they're real bad. We'll put it in the show notes. Oh, I'll that's put it. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Uh, so yeah, I'll put the TCU one in, and I'll put the uh, um, the the Florida one in, so so people can see just how atrociously gaudy how gaudy they are. Just for the record, I'm not opposed to like creative uniforms necessarily. Just not for I'm Penn State. Not for Penn State. Never for Penn State. Oh, oh, that reminds me. James Franklin has two helmets behind his desk. Yes, I saw that. That have the Nittany Lion on the helmets. What is he doing? I need to have a talk with him immediately about this. Like, I don't, I'm sure that somebody was like, hey, coach, check out these cool, like, uh, you know, alternate possible prototypes. And he's like, yeah, I'll put them up. On my-. But like, get that crap out. Like showing up in his, um, you know, the, the background when he's doing like these Zoom interviews or whatever. And no, that's mm-hmm. a big no. Wasn't like yeah, on ESPN or something like that. It, it, hard pass. Uh-uh. Yeah, he did like, um, he did like get up in the morning a few like during during when there's a lot of contention over the uh, the football season or like the season had just come back or whatever, so they were getting takes from right. all these coaches and no, it's just, yeah, uh, that's that's a no no. That's a no no. <laughs> um, we'll we'll do a segment about about like uniforms at some point in the future. Here. Yeah, some we're gonna get sometime. we're gonna get into our rhythm. We're gonna get into our rhythm, our weekly rhythm, and we're gonna have kind of like maybe some recurring segments and maybe some some you know one off segments. We'll see. But but we got some fun stuff to talk about this year. All right, so and we're very preview. passionate about lots of things as you can see season preview oh, as so, you can hear <clears throat> well put <laughs> all right jake pinagar <laughs> so so that's the big picture for me is is you know we got to start fast not sure if there's a margin for error which is going to just create a lot of uh, interesting tension as we go through but let's talk through uh, the the games that we're we're facing, and as we've said a number of times, not to belabor it, but we're starting with Indiana, at Indiana on October twenty mm-hmm. fourth, or possibly the twenty third. I suppose that's going to be. Why would you say that? Because we don't know. They're talking about doing no, Friday it, night games. It's already, but our 
I, I, there are. It's already Last scheduled I heard, for Saturday. Okay, whatever. So I mean, I guess I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I, I don't know. Until we get the game time, I think it's going to be sometime that weekend. Hopefully, the 24th. Right. But anyway, we have played Indiana on a Friday, haven't we? No, it was Illinois and oh, Maryland. Right. Yeah, you're right. But I, I that's a tricky game for me to start. Yeah. At Indiana, yes. I yeah, think Penn State comes in with the advantage of the of the big program that you know they've you know they've been together they've had um, you know a system underway for a long time they they know each other and so they're going to be relying on that but like in a lot of ways Indiana has an opportunity here to come in and steal one and um, you know unlike Penn State who I don't think is going to be spending the entire offseason focusing on the Indiana game my guess is Indiana has spent a lot of their offseason focusing on the Penn State game, at least yeah, you know, since the schedule was released. You would think, you would think. So, um, so I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna take a, a pretty big shot uh, from Indiana, and if we don't have our act together, that could be, that could be a tough start to the season. Just, just to to kind of like, we're not doing an Indiana preview here. No, we'll we're, do that. We're doing, we're doing a quick, next yeah, week. we're doing a quick preview for all the whole schedule. So, but I will just say. That Indiana's last game was against Tennessee in the Gator Bowl, and they lost twenty-three to twenty-two. So they either are reeling from that, or they are motivated and hungry after that. You know, because Tennessee is playing That's tough leave a bad right taste now. In well, Tennessee's house. playing tough right now. Like the team that Tennessee was last year. You know, there's a lot of returning talent from that Tennessee team this year, and they are making a run at least in, in the top 25, top 15. We'll see what happens um, when the Big Ten is really included in that, but no doubt, no doubt. But yeah, no doubt. I mean, so so yeah, what kind of Indiana team are we going to see? They've they beat al- Nebraska last year. Yeah, like they've they, always they, played Penn State well. I, I don't think um, I, it's been a long time since I felt like the Indiana game was in hand going into the fourth quarter. So um, it, that's going to be a good test coming out of the gate, and I think it's going to be a good test uh, and, and uh, you know, sort of take the first couple punches from a real live football team getting ready for what is really the marquee game of the season in week two on Halloween. And I'm, you hope it's on Halloween night for a right. night game. That would be incredible. But whenever it's going to end up being on Halloween, October 31st, we're playing Ohio it's State. It's a blue moon, too. Did you know that? So let's hope that history repeats itself in terms of of the upset win at Beaver Stadium. Big difference. It won't be a whiteout. Andy, you totally just neglected the fact that I said it's going to be a blue moon. Blue uh, blue moon. A blue moon. Like the second full moon in the The month. The second full moon of the month is going to be a blue moon on October 31st. Like a Penn State moon? Is that what you're saying? A Penn State blue moon. Come on, we can't have a whiteout, but we can have a blue moon. The stars are aligning. The moon, the moons, is, the moons are aligning. Just the one moon. This is not yes, Tatooine. No, well, no, there's two. Oh, that's moons two that suns. Anyway. Two, oh my gosh, we have derailed. Totally. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, Ohio, everyone, everyone is talking about Ohio State being the king of the hill, and of course, I think the smart money is in Ohio State, but. You know, Penn State has been an afterthought for so many years, and I think this year included. It's just this is seen to be Ohio State's division and Ohio State's conference. And uh, what a tremendous opportunity we have. And what I said to you earlier um, when we were talking about the season a couple weeks ago is that because it's not a whiteout, because we're not going to have the home crowd, that's going to put us at a disadvantage. But it's also going to mean 
if we're able to pull off the win, the pundits are not going to be able to give the, oh, well, Ohio State had to come into Penn State. And it's a tough environment. Right. Because I felt like in 2016, it was like seen as a fluke win. And we were never given totally full credit for that win on the merits of the team. Yeah, they, well, they were like, oh, it was a blocked kick, it was a whiteout, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, come on. So, yeah, this will give us the opportunity it's, to it's, prove I mean, that we are not, that, that it, it isn't a fluke win based upon, you know, what Urban Meyer uh, suggests is a 10-point swing when it's a whiteout. He says that a whiteout is good for 10 points for the home team. I mean, and and quite frankly, that's 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 going to put us at a disadvantage against Ohio State. You know, we only have every other year that home field. And, it, you know, it basically right. means it's going to be a huge gap before we play Ohio State with that advantage. But if we can accomplish a win here, if we can accomplish a win here, it would it would totally change the narrative yeah. within the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with that. But, um, you know, it's worth stating that oh, uh, Ohio State is also, just like Indiana, their last game they played, they're coming off a loss. They lost in the Fiesta Bowl, you know, which you know, was the, the um, uh, you know, the first round of the college football playoff, yeah. um, the semifinal. They lost to Clemson 29-23. to So... Do they come up? Even though we know Ohio State year in year out reloads and has talent and all these things, like does they're starting to create this? Like when's the last time Ohio uh -huh. State was get, able to get over the hump? situation? They have a little bit right? of a chip on their shoulder. I mean, when they were in the the two time, how many times have they been in the uh, the the most recent times they've been in the college football playoff? They have. Not lived up to expectations. Now, last year was that was a t close game, and yes. you know Justin it, it Fields was. played tough, and and you know, but that's a demoralizing loss stacked on top of what was an embarrassing performance uh, back in 2016. Well, and don't you hate like, I mean, having a Big Ten team in the national uh, playoffs, and, and and not, yeah. Well, on the one hand, you want the Big Ten to be well represented. But on the other hand, you don't want Ohio State to win any games. <laughs> so yeah, it's in that sense, it's a win-win. But but uh, you know, I, I hear what you're saying though. In terms of Ohio State, they, this is going to be for them a chance to prove that they're a top team, and yeah. they're probably going to want to come in and not just kind of have a They'll dog have a chip fight. On her. They'll have a they're going to want to. They're going to want to embarrass us. They're they're yeah. going to want to prove that they're <laughs> one of the top three or four teams in the country. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be, it, it will be a dogfight for Penn state for sure. We, we know, I think we know that. I mean, the and, big and that's what that game is, has been for, for four years, essentially. I think the big question that will show itself is, are, is Kirk Sharaka's new offense ready for prime time? Is it the difference maker? Is it going to be? Know? The but is it the but difference it's not just maker? Like, you know, how we're running that offense, you know, midway through the season or at the end of the season, it's how we're running it right at the beginning of the season. We don't have the Joe Moorhead uh, figured out by the Minnesota game, you know, four or five games into the season, it, you know, it hit the ground running. And uh, the Ohio State game is going to be a huge test. Um, I'm really excited for it. I have high hopes. Um, I don't know that a loss there derails the season, but a win there certainly just changes everything for us. Sure. So we sure. follow that up with uh, another home game at Maryland. Uh, I think I 
just said, it's kind of like a, almost like a rest week, no disrespect to Maryland, but you know, and we got to be careful because we did lose to Maryland at home, not all that long ago. For, for what, what was it? Who's, who, who was it during O'Brien or was it during? I can't remember. Franklin? Honestly, but it was, uh, it was, notes. I feel like I was just looking at that this morning. Crap. But, but it was, it was not good. So yeah. we definitely don't want to and who knows what kind of team Maryland's going to have? But they, we've also embarrassed them the last two times we played them. That's true. Actually, the, no, more, more, no, we like we haven't lost to them in like at it's least been a four few years. years. It's been a few years. Yeah. But but you know I, we don't want to fall asleep totally on them. I, I don't no. know what kind of team Maryland is, and when we get to the 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 game week, we'll have a little bit more information. Yeah. Well, we we got Nebraska and Iowa and Michigan coming up right I, after I, I that. Think and those, so if you overlook Maryland, yeah. that it's I wouldn't say it's necessarily a trap. No, game, I don't think so. It is at home. But you just don't don't slip up against the you know cross cross border rival. Well, here's rival. the flip side. I mean, if we've struggled the first two weeks, Maryland could be that game to kind of put it together, right? Yeah, where get back at it, get back yeah. at it, and sort of figure it out. I mean, I'm yeah, hope, like hope, if we lose to Ohio State, yeah. Maryland comes in. If Maryland, here's, here's a chance yeah. to hopefully get the ball rolling. Ideally speaking, you know, if we lost, that's not, which is not ideal, but, but yeah, I mean, and so you're taught, you get to just kind of rehash on the Ohio state. Like what if uh, we lose that game situation, um, which is a realistic possibility, I believe. Um, and uh, you, you talked what about happened to undefeated. Being, I, Hey, <laughs> re, realistic optimist. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. Realistic optimist. Okay. It's a, it's certain like that is if we are going to lose any game, if we were like undefeated, the game that was going to give us the most problems is that game. So does the Fair greatest enough. chance of losing? Fair enough. And the right season there. wouldn't be fun if you didn't have some of those games, right? Right. Uh, so, but you you are talking about and um, leading into this segment, uh, margin for errors, and and I want to touch on that for for the margin of error for that Ohio State game is that if we do lose, I. I think that this year the level of subjectivity within across all of college football in relation to the college football playoff and rankings and all these things, if we lose Ohio State by like a point and then run the table and then like all these other teams have like two losses or something like that. That's true. Or, or, or didn't play all their games and they don't have like a – the same resume that we do uh, and, and body of work to, to, to consider. And now, obviously, when I say that, I'm assuming that Penn State plays all their games, which yeah, is not which a, is another not a big given, question mark, right? Which is a, not a given. Which is, again— But my point is the margin for error might, on, might not be as small as we think because of this subjectivity for this unique year. Well, that's a good point, and I think, again, uh, playing a close game against Ohio State, if Penn State looks good while doing it, I think that's, I think that's of course, better than getting a blowout loss, yeah. which, back to 2016, again, it wasn't just the loss to Michigan, but the blowout loss to Michigan that really, uh, uh, in some of the you know comments from the subjectivity of the voters yeah. where even though we won the big 10, it was that blowout loss to Michigan that just sort of wrote us off, which, which is yeah. too bad, you know, yeah, for, for that team, because I think there were a lot of mitigating circumstances, but nonetheless, I think you're right. Um, to, to play Ohio state close would be a, lo a lot better and, and, and leave the window open for the Pittsburgh game was looked at a lot for that as well. Yeah, of just course. FYI. I mean, the whole I mean, like if we had like, lost to Michigan that way, but then still squeaked out the win against Pittsburgh. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. It's uh, Deshaun Hamilton it's all, dropped it in the end zone. All in hindsight. Sorry. You know, I mean, you know, 
it, that was the most fun Penn State season we've had in a long time. So for sure. So no regrets there, but um, nonetheless, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So Ohio State, we got a great opportunity. Um, and like you said, though, how many of these games are we going to play? It, some of it is going to be you're going to have to seize the opportunity when you take the field. Um, you know, we all hope that COVID doesn't create problems, but it's still creating problems in the NFL. Um, you know, it's just going to be a, a big question mark as to whether or not uh, all of these games are going to going to be played. So, um, so we're going to have that game home uh, against Maryland, November seventh, and then on uh, November fourteenth, we start a, a difficult three game stretch away against Nebraska, home against Iowa, and then away at Michigan. And um, starting with Nebraska, I, I don't know what to make of this Nebraska team. Scott Frost yeah, came in with a lot of promise. Yeah, they're an either-or situation, yeah. I feel like, right now. And they kind of have been in that either-or situation for a couple of seasons now. And it's like, it's are they going to get over the hump this year? We thought that last year, maybe. And the people, you know, the the pundits are telling us that to watch out for Nebraska. But we just haven't seen it on the field translate yet. And so you you wonder because they have that pedigree they are in Nebraska they have that prestige you know will they ever return to their former glory that they um you know had within the Big 12 but now they're in the Big 10 and they have not had any kind of substantial consequential seasons you know they they haven't they have not shaped their division even yeah they, it's it's definitely it's Iowa Wisconsin and uh, who else? Minnesota are like, uh, the, to me, those teams are way more consistent and like th- a threat. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I don't now. I don't feel like we've played Nebraska a lot since they've come in. And I don't remember the last time we played at Nebraska, but definitely they're probably lost. <laughs> they're definitely not a team that I that I think about as a team to to be terribly worried about. Definitely Iowa in terms of that conference, yeah. that division. Definitely Wisconsin in terms of that division. Even Minnesota, more so. Yeah. I mean, I feel in some not not right now, but in the last couple of years, Pat Fitzgerald's Northwestern Wildcats have prevented presented more of a challenge, I think, in a lot of respects yeah. than Nebraska. The the last time we played Nebraska was 2017, and and we beat them 56 to 44 in Happy Valley. When was uh, the last they, time we played there? I, I'm, I'm looking for that, but but the la- uh, they do hold the overall edge for what it's worth. They ho- they're nine and eight against us. A lot of that's so, pre Big Ten, no doubt, absolutely. But so in 2013, which I believe was O'Brien's first year, um, we played in State College, and it was an OT win for uh, uh, for uh, it was an OT win for them. Okay, and so the last time we played them was in 2012, and they also beat us 32 to 23. Yeah, so our track record against Nebraska in the Big Ten is not great. But, no, but no, we this just is got a, our first win against them in the Big Ten, I think. Yeah, but this is a different uh, this is a different Penn State team and a different Nebraska team from say 10 years ago yeah, or before. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. So, so we only have one win against them in the, in the in the conference since they've been here, and we have no wins against them uh, in Nebraska in the Big Ten. So opportunity, guys. Um, yeah. So then we um, yeah then we play Golden. then we play the other crossover game the very next week against Iowa. Back reminder: at, no buys. <laughs> back at home, um, yeah. 
And uh, I, I don't, I, it's no Nate Stanley on this year's Iowa team. And They're grinders. This, these, this, these Iowa uh, Hawkeyes are always grinders, and they have the ability to grind you. And uh, just playing like just sound technical football on defense on the on, on the offensive line. So th- like if we get into a funk against that and are like stymied on offense, that team can be a threat at any at any season. Even if they're like all their other games are like crap games, like they play up to us a lot. You know, so that's a concerning game to me. Yeah, and especially without the help of the Beaver Stadium crowd. At the same time, I'm glad we're not having to deal with Kinnick, you know. So, um, you know, I think Iowa has been a tough game the last couple of years. It seems like we've sort of figured them out to a certain extent. Um, You know, it's been a while since, since they've actually beat us, and I think it was the 2017 game. Um, that that was so super close, but we ended up uh, pulling out the win. I, th- I think it goes that back to the, what, the 2015, the 2015 that we we last lost to them or something like that. So, I mean, I think there's still that those horrors of some of those tough losses, but um, I, I'm not terribly worried about Iowa. I do worry about Michigan. I mean, yeah, just like and, I mean, and again, we're going the into the big teams. house. We're going into the big house. We're not going to have to deal with a big house crowd but we have had a poor poor record going all the way back to when we joined the big 10 and going to play at michigan yeah what's what's the lack of a crowd going to do i don't know but like playing at michigan just doesn't seem to be something that penn state handles very well yeah i mean i my ptsd uh penn state traumatic uh (laughs) (laughs) stress disorder um so, you know, we, 2005, we all remember it, mm. I, I would imagine. It's you terrible. Know, Lloyd Carr, eight oh. extra seconds on well, the that, clock. Well, that was at Penn State, though. No, Wasn't that was at Michigan. I'm Michigan, what? for sure. Oh, man. Absolutely. Chad, Chad Henne to Mario Manningham. Yeah, the last Lloyd, second. Yeah. The last and, second and it play. And it was, uh, you know, back when we were undefeated. And he was and working the refs to get that extra second on the a clock. A thousand percent. I hate Lloyd Carr for till the end of time because of it. Blue are. I hate Michigan team. even more because of it. Blue our undefeated season. Yeah, it totally did. And we finished the season, I think, ranked third uh, after, uh, you know, a triple overtime. Um, Wasn't that the year we had that really disappointing uh, Rose Bowl game against USC? Uh, what? I feel like that was there. There was a year that we ended up. No, with one no, no. Loss. 2005 was Florida State. Bobby Bowden. Oh, the Penn, three Penn overtime State. missed yeah, field yeah, goals. Yeah. Orange, Orange Bowl. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Kelly. Yeah. Kevin Kelly kicking kicking field goals to, for the win. But yeah, no. Th- let's not talk about USC Rose Bowl ever again. Um. So it doesn't matter what year. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. No. So so Michigan. I I I, I loathe. Michigan load them and I love when they underperform but you're right we uh definitely have this thing about going to the big house and here's the thing about Michigan right now um because of the desire to be justified in our loathing I'm so glad that they have a coach that makes it easy (laughs) to do that oh yes absolutely (laughs) Jim Harbaugh Ooh, man, is he an easy one to not like? It's, and how? And if you're and if you're a Michigan fan, how do you like him? Like, what is likable about him at this point? Not a whole lot. He is certainly not the on-field he is the, performance. The subject of all these horrible memes of just like him looking like a total buffoon. 
like I don't he just it's it comes so natural for him to be such a adult you know <laughs> I'm I'm uh, yeah I don't so hate I, him personally no. but like as a as a coach I as I a as get a him. as a coaching personality yeah it's strange hard. I'm sure Some, I'm sure there are sometimes, people who feel that way about James Franklin. And I know there were people who felt that way about Joe Paterno. So it's, I mean, some of that Definitely. is just the rivalry and looking at another team and, and having a big personality yeah. to to have a target. But, I mean, John Harbaugh makes it, no, excuse me, Jim Harbaugh. Jim. Sorry. Jim. Sorry. Sorry. I do, you're I like Ravens his bro- fan. <laughs> you're a Ravens fan. I can't believe fan. you let everyone know that. Yeah. I'm a Steelers fan. <laughs> Uh, Got to let him know. Yeah, sorry. Do you feel Do you feel naked now that I've outed well, you as a Ravens I just, fan? I feel like I might be off code for a Penn State. Hey, you live where you live. I, you're supporting true. your home. You're support supporting your so local I just, teams. I need to just put this out there since you brought it up, which is growing growing up in Central PA in Lewisburg, literally almost the exact geographic center of the state. We really didn't have a, a pro team to 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 root for because. A lot of our TV stations were New York stations coming out of Scranton. Uh, a lot of, you know, we sometimes got Eagles games. Sometimes we got Pittsburgh games. Sometimes we got uh, Giants games. But it wasn't like one or the other. No, and it like wasn't all just, the time. It was, it was, like, it you didn't feel rotated. like it was your team. Yeah. So when um, Eileen and I moved to Baltimore area in 2000, it was the first time I'd lived anywhere with a, a, an NFL Local team. Local broadcast for sure coming in. Yeah. The team that was around. And that yeah. was the year that the Ravens won their first Super Bowl, the, our first oh. year in town. And it Trent just, Dilfer. <laughs> well, yeah, well it was Ray Lewis really. It was Trent Dilfer. <laughs> and 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 we um and we played a Kerry Collins quarterbacked Giants team yes, in the did. Super Bowl. And Brandon Short was on that team I think too. And um anyway, all that to say, it, it just sort of cemented us as as Ravens fans. So, we've been in the Baltimore area most of our time. Uh, since then, and, and so yeah, we're Ravens fans. Um, and and, and Jim I, Harbaugh, uh, hold on, is, I is became different a st- real quick from real John quick. Harbaugh. <sighs> and I, I really, I really like John Harbaugh. He's a he's a great coach. I I, I appreciate him. But Jim Harbaugh, I think, is a different animal. They're brothers with they two brothers. different. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> two different takes, two different, two yeah, different they personalities. Are, they are, How they does are that us happen? and we are them. I don't know. I don't Which know. one are you, I guess, is the question. I, I am Jim. <laughs> you are <laughs> Jim Harbaugh. I am Jim Harbaugh. Oh, my God. So, um, so, yeah. So, uh, and, and to your, to, to how you became a Ravens fan and how I became a Steelers fan, I became a Steelers fan because of our connection to Franco Harris yes, with course. our uncle who played Penn State football with him and like the, you steel know, the immaculate reception, and, yes. the steel curtain, like, like I, and then you had Jerome Bettis, you had Terry, you know, I enjoyed Cordell Stewart. Uh, I even enjoyed Neil O'Donnell to a degree, but I enjoyed a lot, a lot of players in, uh, growing up as, as a Steelers fan. Um, but it all kind of started because of our our connection to yeah. to, to Franco. And I respect respect for the Steelers. And I've, I've tailgated with Franco uh, and his family with with our family uh, in the past. Uh, it was it was fun. It was cool. It's like Man. meeting a legend. The, the immaculate reception, dude. Like the greatest NFL football touchdown of all time was you know that. So, <laughs> but heart of hearts, I'm I'm a Penn State fan. 
Yeah, that's it. I don't live and die by the Steelers, unfortunately, like I do. I I only have so much loving only so much football bandwidth. bandwidth. Yes, yeah. Totally. Yep. So we uh, we got derailed somewhere along the way, and it'll happen uh, talking all about, season. Talking about Michigan, of course, and their coach Jim Harbaugh. But yeah, you know, we'll have to wait and see. And again, with Michigan, I feel like I'm not 100 percent sure what we're going to get out of them. They've got a they lost they, they got lost a new their, quarterback. Their quarterback, you know, and was the, what was the old guy's name? It'll be the Josh Gaddis's yep. second season. I don't even remember. He wasn't particularly memorable. Shea Patterson. Yeah. Shea Patterson. He 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 underperformed and, and underperformed probably because of the tutelage of Jim Harbaugh and probably because of the fact that Josh Gaddis's offense just did Never not really live up. Flowed. It did not live up. We'll see what happens in year two. Maybe something happens, but you know, I, I we'll know more by the time we get to that game. What what yeah. kind of team? So then we have get. a bye week in, on December 5th. Uh, <laughs> the Rutgers <laughs> Scarlet Knights. Yes. Uh, but in the JV squad. We will need a, we will need a, a bye week after that that run of Nebraska you know Iowa, what? and Michigan. And by the way, think about this. You know, I don't think we mentioned this. We're starting this season so, so late. late. That's a December that, that 5th if we're, game. If we, yeah, and if we're at Michigan, oh. in the big house, on November 28th. That weather could play. Uh, a, a big and injuries big in cold issue. weather. Yes, and no bye weeks yeah. other than that Rutgers really game. Really interesting. <laughs> um, so, but all those games are being played in November. At so we'll be at Piscataway in yeah. uh, on uh, December. Is it Piscataway? Oh, I think it's Piscataway. My bad. Yeah, you screwed that up. Totally. Show notes. <laughs> Piscataway. Um, Piscataway. <laughs> that's that's how the refined say it. Piscataway. Yeah. That's how the New Jerseyans <laughs> no, say it. Yeah, I don't think the New Jerseyans say it that way. Um, Is it New Jerseyans? New Jerseyites. New Jerseyans. <laughs> um, <laughs> New Jersey. But here's the thing. Two two years ago, or maybe it was three, we were at. Rutgers at the end of the season, near the end of the season, and it was like raining and sleeting. Uh, it was a it was gross. gross game, and we did not play gross, gross. great. I mean, we won. It wasn't really. We eventually valid, got it going, but, but we for a that, while were like underperforming. In I mean, that game, and I remember it very well because what you want in a game like this is just to like the game to be over midway through the second quarter, and I, you know, I I don't know. Hopefully, it will be, but but it could I be. Had just, it could be tricky. I had just finished hiking like for all summer and I just got back east in like October or November sometime and that was like I was trying to get to, to as many games on that was left on the schedule as I could and Rutgers was like oh I can just go to and I was in Lewisburg and I was like I can just drive over to the Rutgers game and then when I saw what the weather was doing, I was like yeah, <laughs> no maybe not <laughs> but but the but the Penn State fans and students uh that d- made the trip took over that stadium there was like not a well, Rutgers fan was site they all left when we went to the and, Maryland game uh was it 2 years ago or whatever yeah but this Rutgers game specifically was like there th- there wasn't anyone in the stadium because of how bad the weather was but Penn State fans True. were there I remember seeing that and on on TV and sports center that or something funny. like that yeah, yeah um yeah. anyway so um closing out the regular season quote unquote regular um cuz it's pretty irregular but <laughs> December 12th in Beaver Stadium probably the latest the time we la- ever Played in yeah. Beaver Stadium is my guess, but yeah, Land Grant Trophy. Land Grant Trophy is back in business. Back y'all. as a season cap, you know, the and I ugliest feel like... trophy in all of college football, from what I, well, <laughs> or there's some the most like, I don't like honestly, I don't, I don't think we should call it the Land Grant Trophy. I think it should be the Wannabes Trophy because it's, it. I think part of why it like makes it a fun game is because it's 
Ohio State and Michigan are it's the game and like we're the yeah. we're the other teams in the conference who you know most years have a chance of, of having you know a good what should call it what should we call it which by the way they, they would have to make it um you know a recurring theme every year and bring it back as the uh, they should be our last game uh, it at makes this sense point. it works but next year it's like it's like Rutgers again or some crap like uh, that it's it's bad stop it so anyway it's Rutgers again next year I just looked no at November tw- November 27th why at Beaver Stadium Rutgers okay yeah what a, what a letdown what a, Seriously. like everybody else is playing like like if we're undefeated or like have one loss and we finish our season with a Rutgers it's like we're a forgotten like the pollsters forget about us in, yeah. in those circumstances. I mean, all you can do so, is like put up 112 points on them and exactly. and try to make a splash, but or or remove Rutgers from, from, from the league. conference. Yeah. So so what we should call the game uh, if we you know ever bring Michigan State back to being in, you know at the end of the season every year as it was when we first joined the Big Ten, um, we should call it the other game. The other <laughs> game. I like it. The other trophy. <laughs> All yeah, right, we'll uh, take that under advisement. Um, I will submit it. Okay, so submit it to the conference. So the last thing uh, we wanted to touch on is, and I stopped you earlier. Apologies. Is the okay. the Big Ten Champions Week? Like you said, the best idea to come out of the Big Ten. This is pretty cool. I, I really yeah. like this because same. You know, odds are in our division, right? Um, unless you beat Ohio State. You're not going to be the number one. Ohio State is going to play in the champ, you know, the the championship game uh, against whoever it'll be, Wisconsin or you know, maybe it's Nebraska this year, <laughs> but whoever it ends up being. But like, you really don't have a good shot. But let's say Wisconsin beats Ohio State, and now Penn State as the number two has a chance to play their number two. You win that game, and all of a sudden you've got a really good argument to be the team in the college football playoff especially if you finish strong and Ohio State stumbles at the end. So not only do you get a good game where you get strength against strength for wherever each team falls, but to me it's it's a really, really nice opportunity to get that 13th data point or this year ninth data point. So we're not playing point. Rutgers at the end of the season. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, and maybe it's a really good Minnesota team who, you know, didn't make it to the, the division-winning you know, championship game at the end of the season, but you get to play a team that we haven't played the rest of the year, you know, maybe, maybe, I mean, it could be Iowa, uh, you know, that is interesting. What if we just replay Iowa? Well, either way you get another, you get another game against a quality opponent. If you're in that second or third slot, make no mistake. The, as the, as the rule or the understanding goes playing a team a second time in the same season, is difficult if you want if you won the first game it's difficult to beat him again yeah. For, i mean that's that's at least what people say you know like i and i get Depends it like on now, how that, bad now, that, beat them, now that they know your now they know how you played to beat them and maybe they can use that against you to beat you at your own game double or nothing right so so here's here's <laughs> a thought um yeah double or nothing <laughs> yeah, right. um so i wonder how vegas handles those things yeah, i'm just kidding well, this this show, by the way, not going to do I it. I think I think we're not on that. I, I, you know, we've never really had this discussion, but I think you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that that go down the Vegas route. Um, and 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 if we ever mention it, it's not because we a we don't gamble. Nope. Um, and and we're not trying to make this uh, like 
feed into that either. But, you know, Vegas does create odds and does like it does it does shape some perceptions throughout college football. So if I reference it, it's only because of of, of those types of, um, sh- you know, shaping of perceptions and, and, and probabilities for wins and losses and and how many points a team is going to score in a game or whatever. So I sidetracked there. But my thought is, um, do you think if if this ninth week, this ninth game is played and received well and it like goes off without a hitch like do you is there any chance that they bring this back i think they should do it every season every year and, i and think like, they should so we have a 12... for like the top four teams or something like that something like that I, it's yeah. a great great idea it's a yeah. great idea I think so it gives too. you a, a good football team it, 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 it puts you know the big a big 10 team in the national conversation in a second big 10 team in the national conversation which i it's think is exactly what you need do you think that it, it might not occur that way because people will be like, oh, well, that's just too much football, too from the uh, you know for safety concerns? Maybe. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to know. But those, but the best teams have to play it. So what's wrong with? I mean, at least do the runner up. Like at least do a runner yeah. up game. I think would be yeah, yeah, it would yeah. be great. But because because a second a second place in the our division, if it's Ohio State or us, then would not be second place in the Big Ten because correct. they. So so like if you have those extra yes. data points, then you can be like, well, yeah, Penn State is the second best team in the conference, even though they didn't make it to the to the Big Ten title game because, you know, Wisconsin wilted against Ohio State, and you know we just still look like a better team. But the Big Ten would still say, uh, you know, Wisconsin's runner up. You know exactly. You know, so I I think I think it's a great opportunity to see some good football, and it's a great opportunity to get you know, another team in the national conversation. Right. So, you know, who, who knows, um, you know, whether it'll carry forward, obviously the um, land grant trophy as the season closer is not carrying forward at least till next year for, for next year. Yeah. So that's a bummer, but um, are they even going to be issuing the trophy in the game? Yeah, <laughs> like, is that, is that a thing? I don't know. Uh, I honestly don't know. Well, so look, we've had a chance to talk through the season and we've had a chance to talk through the special teams. The more we talk about it, the more excited I'm getting. We, there's a Same. lot of excitement around this. And um, in just one week, we're going to be doing our first game preview of the first game yeah. of the season. And it just it feels like, on the one hand, it, felt, it feels, feels like it's taken so long to get here. On the other hand, I can't believe it's almost here. Yeah. Really excited. And uh, Tom and I are going to be actually on at the same location together. Uh, yep. doing uh, a live in-person, well, I guess it's not live, but it's going to be an in-person, in uh, yeah. uh, sa- we, same room. Uh, I won't be looking at him through a, a computer monitor while I'm while I'm recording this with him. So, I'll be looking so across. I'm excited I'll be, for I'll that. Be, I'll be <laughs> eyeballing, uh, you know, him from across the, the table in the same place. We're going to, we're getting, we're getting a, um, going to like a little dude retreat next week, um, down somewhere in the Shenandoah Valley region. And we're excited about it. And we're excited to, 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 to record it together and, and, and get, do our pregame, um, take on, on, uh, who are we playing again? Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> do, our, Indiana. do our pregame take for Indiana. Hopefully we'll know the game time by then. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we'll we'll talk about Indiana. Um, I'm sure there'll be a few other things we're going to talk about, probably a little bit about the national conversation and where Penn State falls and where the Big Ten is. But uh, we haven't quite put together the rest of that show yet, but we've got another great episode coming for you in one week. Um, Until then, have a great week. 
Uh, hey, yeah. Hey, I got it. I got it. I had an idea you, you, to how to close. You know, you uh, you just interrupted my sign off. I'm trying to make a better sign off. That Thank I God. I mean, I just felt really bad about what I was about to do. So, <laughs> well, you can still do what I was just going to say, but I. Well, why don't you we do should, it? I. <laughs> so I think that we should interject James Franklin's voice. In this, like right after you're done with your closeout, and it says when he's telling the team either before or after the end of the game, it starts with I love you and it ends with I love you. And that's what I think we should all right. build into this. You all heard right? it here. That's how we're going to sign <laughs> off. Uh, but uh, Well, because because that's what I, you, we are brothers. And even true. though we're not the same, it, I love you. I love you. And I, th- and I think that, that there's a lot of that built into the, the camaraderie of the Penn State fan base. And I think that if we are talking to that Penn State fan base, that I'm also talking to them as well. And I think that that's just like... The overall, uh, you know, vibe that 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 Penn State and and the the team and Franklin and their fans puts out, and I think we should embrace that as well. Really glad you guys have joined us for another episode of the Blue and White Brothers. We'll see you next week. Until then, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 